pastor Xavier Reese looks at the life of King David, observing that his weaknesses serve as our warning. The number one sin mentioned in the Bible often is pride. This is the heart of sin. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Listen. These six things the Lord Yahweh hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. There's the first one. Pride. Pride goes before the destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Even though the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart, David was far from perfect. As king, David was the leader of the nation of Israel, a role that carried enormous responsibilities and hidden temptations, most notably the temptation of pride. And with our Simple Truth study today, Pastor Xavier will show us how David's failure in dealing with pride resulted in serious consequences that ought to serve as fair warning for those in leadership still today. Let's listen. We have walked with David from the days of his youth. Now he's old. As a young shepherd, he slew the giant Goliath because he blasphemed the God of Israel. There was a cause. As a member of Saul's court, he became a loyal minstrel and armor bearer for Saul though he was only the people's king. And as a rising warrior, he became the captain of that very king, and he fought the wars of the Lord. And as a chosen king by God, he became a threat to Saul, and having to run for his life and be in exile until God's appointed time. And as God judged Saul, David was anointed and then crowned to be king by Judah and Israel, just as God had promised as a reigning king, he conquered Jerusalem, made it his capital, and God promised to build him a house through the Messiah's line. David said, who am I? As a self-willed king, he abuses authority and power to commit adultery with Bathsheba and kill Uriah. As a hypocritical king, he was exposed by Nathan the prophet and suffered all the sins that he had committed through his children and the sword never departed from his house. As a repentant king, he was restored to God. But David was never the same. And he had a life of difficulties that plagued him. What a fitting way to end the study of Second Samuel here with the account of David's sin that brought the pestilence upon the people of God. For again, it reminds us that David was not perfect. But it equally reveals that David was always repentant. And yes, there could be much damage that we bring to our life, but the key is always repent to get right back with God and to trust Him to be sufficient for the things that we have brought upon ourselves. You want to learn from repentance, but you want to learn also from the consequences. You don't want to go there. It's a twofold lesson. And for this reason, David is called a man after God's own heart throughout the scriptures because he acknowledges sin, he repented, and trusted God for the difficulties of his life. And so the text before us is the pestilence brought about by the sins of David for numbering the people, and it unfolds for us in a threefold movement. Again, because of the length, we'll just take a section at a time, we'll be able to follow it. Let me give you the threefold movement. 
verse 1 through 9, you have the transgression of David by pride. In verse 10 through 17, you have the transgression of David, judged by God. And in 18 through 25, you have the transgression of David, forgiven by God. The simple division will unfold for us important lessons for every one of us as we walk with God. Let's begin here with the transgression of David by pride, verse 1 through 9. The declaration of judgment by God is given in verse 1. The people of Israel had sinned. It says, and again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. The word again reminds us of the famine that God brought about in the land through Saul's murderous deeds in chapter 21. God does not overlook sin, whether you're a king or you're just a regular person. He's holy. Now, the anger of the Lord Yahweh was against Israel, the people. This implies a failure of the people. We're not given the failure, but this is missed often. We're going to see not only the people, but David. Most of the time we focus on David on this, and he has his part, and he has a great responsibility, but here also the people are included. So the declaration is the perfect judgment of God. He's holy. And sometimes God makes it very clear why he brings judgment, and we can see his justice. And other times there's statements like this that sometimes seem to be contradictory, as we'll see in some texts. But even if God didn't give a reason, knowing God's character and all the evidence I have, then I trust him for what he did to be right because he can't lie and he can't do anything evil, right? So when I, it's not completely explained, I fall back on the character of God. Because if I don't, then I think that I know better than God and I find fault in God. And that's always a great mistake. Now notice, still in verse 1, the charge of failure is also to King David, as I said. And he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. The leader of the nation was King David. He's the leader. To him is a greater responsibility. Now, the parallel passage in 1 Chronicles 21.1 clears up the seeming injustice of God here. It says that God moved against David to go number. So if God moves David to number the people, how can God judge David for numbering the people? Right? Good question. It's an obvious question. First Chronicles 21, 1 says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. The same event from two different perspectives. Like the instance of Eve in the garden, God allows Satan to bring a test to Eve. Like in the book of Job, God brought test upon Job. Eve failed. Job passed. Zechariah 3, the high priest Joshua, he passed. Those are places where God allows Satan to bring a test to the believer. God cannot tempt the believer. Every man tempts himself. And therefore, God uses Satan or situations for tests. And if he brings a test, we can pass it if we look to the Lord and depend upon him. It's apparent and very clear that David did not do that. So the judgment that we'll see is just. The taking of census had different purposes. If you look to the scriptures, the assessing of the population for military service is one of them in the book of Numbers chapter 1 verse 2. And the taxing of people for the sanctuary in Exodus 38. 
So the half a shekel for everybody, regardless of wealthy or poor, and then polling the people to find out how many military men of age 20, which was the age of war in the book of Numbers, were able to be drafted. We have a taxation also in Luke 2, 1 through 3, when Jesus was born, and, he would have, and Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem, and that was for taxes. Now, notice the transgression of David was against God in verse 2 and 3. David, through pride, wanted to assess the military might of his. Uh, we're going to see this very clear, that this was not something that kind of just happened and David just kind of was ignorant. He was very aware of it. It says there in verse 2, So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribe of Israel and Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. Verse 9 makes it very clear that the census was for assessing the military mind, being able to have confidence in them, those bearing the sword. Okay? So the entire chapter speaks about those who are of military age. This was the context of the census. The Lord was displeased, First Chronicles 21.7 says. You remember when David took Bathsheba? and seemed to be a benevolent king before the people. But God says, that displeased the Lord. We can appear to be something benevolent and great before people, but what God sees is a whole different thing. And we always have to keep that in mind. David's confidence was to be in God alone. He knew this. He raised him up. He's older now. No matter how long you walk with God, Experience and seniority does not count in the Lord. You can be as stupid when you're old as when you're young. Every test is a new one, isn't it? Psalm 9 says, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We used to sing that in the early 70s. Great song. See, chariots and horses demonstrate the power of your might to defeat the enemy. But it says, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Jehoshaphat went out singing to defeat the enemy instead of depending upon his military might. The reference to Dan to Beersheba is always before it indicates the farthest boundaries of the north to the south, the entire land, for the census of the 20 years of age of every male that could bear a sword. Now, look at verse 3, Joab understood the sin against God. Now, Joab was a tough, rough guy. He was kind of a real funky kind of guy, and David had a hard time with him and his brothers. You sons of Zariah, you're too difficult for me to handle. But this time, Joab hits it right on the head. Joab told David in verse 3 there, the number of the people did not matter to God. And Joab said to the king, Now, may the Lord Yahweh your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are. And may the eyes of my Lord the king see it. But then Joab asked, What's your motive, David? But why does my Lord the king desire this thing? You have everything. Eve, Adam, everything in the garden you can eat. But one thing you can't. Okay, where is it? One thing. Why does my Lord the king desire this thing? Joab warned David regarding God's judgment. 
in the parallel passage in 1 Chronicles 21.3. Listen to what it says there. Why should he be a cause of guilt in Israel? Joab sounded this to David. Joab said, David, don't do this. This goes against everything that you and I stand for. You're going to be guilty before God. Verse 4, David did not pay heed to the check by his officers, not only Joab. He misused his kingly power, ignoring the danger. Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Joab and the captains, they all said, David, don't do this. You've known people who have been told, warned, and even rebuked to not go there. And then they go and you say, what is he thinking? They're so caught up in their own pride or whatever it is they're going after. And they're headed for destruction. He abuses authority as king, ignoring the consequences. Verse 4 still says, Therefore Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. The words of David were an abomination to Joab, it says, First Chronicles 21.6. Wow, what a reversal. And this is towards the end of David's life. All the kings of the Old Testament fell in their old age. Study the kings. Look at verse 5, the execution of the transgression by Joab. And the captains is given to us. In verse 5, they first went eastward. They crossed the Jordan and went through those sites there. There is said there. And then in verse 6, in the first part of 7, they went towards the north, the Gilead. And um, they came to Dan. So we've been to Israel with us up in Tel Dan up there where the idolatrous altars are. And um, the stronghold of Tyre. There were the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And then in the rest of 7 and the first part of 8, they went down towards the south. Sea goes and down out to south Judah as far as Beersheba, the farthest boundary there. And so they had gone through all the land. Through this lengthy time, as we'll see in verse 8 at the end there, they returned to Jerusalem at the end of 9 months and 20 days. The time was considerable, almost 10 months. It's a long time to contemplate the thing that you were warned about from the very first day that you proposed it. Like he did with Bathsheba. God sent Nathan before the birth of the child, so probably close to the birth, eight, nine months, shy of nine months. And he, he presented himself as something he wasn't. Here again, this length of time, he's been warned from the beginning and he still hasn't rectified it. Look at 9. The census was reported to David. Joab gave the sum of the people to the king. And it says there was in Israel 800,000 valiant men that drew the sword. They're against the confirmation for the purpose. And the men of Judah were 500,000 men. Now the number in Chronicles differs in chapter 21 of 1 Chronicles 5 and 6. 
It says that he gave the number of the people to David. All of Israel were 1,100,000 men. They drew the sword, and Judah had 470,000 men who drew the sword. And so here again, people say there's contradictions. And there may be some minor mistakes in a number or something in the, because we don't have any original autographs. But if we search and do good homework, we usually can find out the seeming contradiction. And in 1 Chronicles 27, 24, there's an interesting statement that helps us understand perhaps the deviation here. It's, it's possible that it explains it there. It says, Joab the son of Zariah began a census, but he did not finish. For wrath came upon Israel because of this census, nor was the number recorded in the account of the chronicles of the king of David. So the numbers were different because he stopped. He didn't finish it. You understand? And so there's a simple explanation. We look to the scriptures. If we roll up our sleeves and do some homework and allow the scriptures to interpret and explain the scriptures. You remember God reduced the army of Gideon from 32,000 down to 300. He says, there are too many for you to defeat the the Midianites. And so he says, I want you to go out and ask them how many are cowards, and then let them go home. He says, how many count? Well, 22,000, they took off. And he says, there's still too many. Take them down by the water and let's see how they lap it up like a dog or a hand to their mouth. And from those 300, I will deliver the Midianites to you. And in Judges 7, 2, he makes it very clear. Listen carefully. The people, the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. This is always a danger, regardless of how much experience I have, the older I get, financially, whatever it may be, that I trust in the things or in myself rather than in God. And this is a danger of every Christian Every pastor, every ministry, everybody begins well. But the test of life is how we move through the journey and how we will finish. The tests are there. We have to be careful of those dangers. Now, the number one sin mentioned in the Bible often is pride. This is the heart of sin. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Listen. These six things the Lord Yahweh hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. There's the first one. Pride. A lying tongue. Hands to shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. But the heart and the principal sin is pride. When pride comes, there comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom, Proverbs eleven two says. By pride comes nothing but strive, but with the well advised is wisdom, Proverbs thirteen ten. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them, Proverbs fourteen three. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride. By pride, Lucifer fell. I will, I will, I will, I will. You will be brought down to hell. Read Isaiah 14. Ezekiel 28. The number of people that make wrong decisions usually do not take counsel of anyone 
or they don't pay heed to the counsel they are given. In the years that I've been ministering, over 30 years, I've seen this over and over again. People who seek counsel and then ignore it completely and bring destruction upon their life. Or they, they, they take no counsel at all. They think the wisdom resides in them, and when they die, all wisdom will die. Listen to the Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 16 says, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Proverbs 18, 1, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. I like the old King James translation. Any man who isolates himself seeks his own destruction. You be careful about being alone all the time. Choose better than one. Always. Proverbs eleven fourteen: Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Bounce things off of people. People you trust. People who you know are godly. Get scriptural counseling, not secular counseling. Advice. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The failure of leaders of nations to take counsel of their advisors or the people they serve always hurts the people in the nation. They begin to make bad policies, self-serving. They bring forth corrupt bills that only favor the people who have put them in office. They bribe, pay their way. They ignore the decision of the people and they rule as tyrants. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Woe to leaders in the world. That goes national leaders. State leaders on any level, pastors, fathers, anybody who's in a position of leadership on how they live their life and the decisions they make, God does not ignore it. He will hold us accountable. God in his mercy places and gives us people to protect us from ourselves. Top on the list is our wives, husbands, Family members, sons and daughters. When your son would say, Well, Dad, who are you talking to? Or your daughter would say, Mom, how come you're going out to lunch with this guy? Our godly friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord who spend time with us, and they can tell when things change. Our spiritual leaders, pastors, elders, co laborers in ministry. But we ignore it. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faith for the wounds of a friend, deceit for the kisses of the enemy, Proverbs 27.5-6. I've told you often, if you're around people that are always complimenting you, go get some new friends. They're not really your friends. Your friends are going to let you know what a fool you are at times. And hopefully you'll receive it. 
transgression of David by pride was a mistake. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with David a sobering reminder to guard against pride. And you can find this program online to hear any part you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, we've had to break for today only partway through this message drawn from 2 Samuel chapter 24. But if your schedule will permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply, The Presumptuous Sin of David. It's available on CD for only $4. And once again, the title you'll be asking for is, The Presumptuous Sin of David, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com